Hi everyone and welcome to the Friday, November 19th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman of NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson. Our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove and our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott, so folks at home, we're recording this a little bit early because the Elizabeth Home trial has kind of kicked into overdrive all of a sudden. And so Scott's there five days a week now and he's filing stories and everything else every night. So if, if, the, if the world comes to an end Friday morning, we're gonna miss it. So just bear with us. You'll hear it from somebody else. Okay, so I thought today we'd look in depth again at the uh, Theranos Elizabeth Holmes trial. Yeah, this is the closest we've had to breaking news in several weeks. All of a sudden, at the very end of testimony on Wednesday evening, literally three minutes before the judge says, you're all gone, he brings a witness to the stand, which is a real surprise. Uh, and it wasn't a witness that you'd heard of. It wasn't, oh, James Mattis is only in town today, or Henry Kissinger is only in town for a few hours. This is a woman that is from Phoenix, she yep. took a Theranos test, and that's why she's on the stand. Nobody's heard of her. She's not a $100 million investor. She took this test. We're finally hearing from real people. Yeah, and again, the jury, as they did, boy, it's been several weeks since we heard from the first, uh, call it patient, that yep. took a test. She took a test in Phoenix at a Walgreens, and it came back saying she had tested positive for HIV antibodies. And again... Unbelievable. That's right. That... I don't know about you, but I would take that as pretty close to a death sentence. Well, she was admittedly very emotional about this, she said. She testified, I was very emotional. Now, we're going to get cross-examination that says, um, this says you tested positive for HIV antibodies. It didn't say you have, et cetera, et cetera. But even the no, judge, no, right, no. even the judge said, this is, you must have thought. I have HIV, and she said, yes, I was very emotional. And the courtroom got quiet. And it's a more crowded courtroom than we've seen in a while. People are starting to show up because I think they see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. They know we're gonna get some emotional uh, witnesses. And I was surprised at how quick this was. The judge did end after a few minutes saying, okay, we'll hear more from her tomorrow. But the prosecution got what they needed, which was a very emotional statement from her. Do you think the judge let her go on today as kind of a warning to all of you in the press box? You better be here tomorrow. You better, you know, bring your A game because this is going to be a this is going to be a headline moment around the world. I don't know. I don't know if that's how judges work. As well, I've told you, why would he you, do three minutes with a you know? I know he wants to move it along. He's been complaining, especially to the defense team. Yeah. They've taken so long on cross-examination, and I must say, well, we had a hedge fund guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, what's his name? Uh, Brian Grossman, chief investment officer at PFM Health Sciences, San Francisco based. So he's the yeah. most recent witness that we saw before this woman, Brian Grossman, and he and his fund invested ninety-six million dollars into Theranos. Right. Um, at the, uh, you know, they were part of the reason that this is this was a nine billion dollar company. And in a sense, he actually did some due diligence. He made himself into a patient, right? Well, yeah. Didn't he go down to Walgreens and get he did blood on his test? Own. He went to a Walgreens on his own. And, and it's interesting that you bring this up, Mike, and it's good that you did because he went to a Walgreens and yep. was surprised that it was the regular long needle. 
and that the results took more than four hours to come back. And yeah, said, now I, I'd always thought, and I think most people thought, this is like a diabetes test. You know, one drop on the uh, magnetic strip and you put it in the reader and it gives you all the information. Right, I mean for, you know, I mean, I, I've had blood drawn before the regular way, obviously yeah. by let's say a Quest or a LabCorp. I don't find it all that time consuming, but you know what, I don't mind needles. They're, I've given blood a hundred times. Yeah, but it, doesn't, of people... but it doesn't fit the message. This, was a, right, Venus, this right. was a Venus draw, not a finger stick. Right. I only bring up that I've done that because Theranos was going to do it so much more differently. So much differently. Yes. <laughs> it was going to be a simple drop of blood that had so much. Like a, like a diabetes test. Yeah. yeah. And that you could do it with a finger stick. And that's not how this was. And he testified that, hmm, I got a little suspicious. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, part of the cross-examination was... Hey, rich hedge fund guy, you still invested ninety-six million dollars. Yeah, and they did. Even after he had to be suspicious, he did that. He went and saw Holmes and uh, Sonny Balwani, right? Right. And brought up, and he said Holmes did most of the talking, and that he said that he and his colleagues were told that Theranos could run one thousand blood tests on his proprietary technology. So. Uh, this wasn't what I expected. Don't worry. We can do thousands of them. Right. No problem. Well, and they uh, told and she him. And can match LabCorp right. and Quest. Now, LabCorp and Quest do, I've had a number of those blood draws. Sure. There's a lot of different tests that go on with your with your blood. And uh, she was saying she could do the same thing. Well, Insider said they could do 12, maybe, 12 different tests. Right. So it's like she, was, she kept painting this picture and against their own better judgment, these investors were still writing her checks, big checks. Right. And so what Trump's... Oh, she also said Afghanistan and Iraq. We're using it there. Right. And we've already made $200 million. I mean, this is now we're getting egregious. Right. So what trumps their better judgment if we've learned nothing from this trial? Greed trumps their better judgment. Yes. And so we still had hedge funds. We still had... Uh, New York investors, San Francisco investors, Sand Hill Road investors. We had individual investors who were very rich, like Rupert Murdoch had talked about the DeVos family. And they all testified that eventually they were suspicious, smart for them, but they still invested the money. But if, if, if they were so greedy it made them into slack-jawed rubes, how come it took this long and this woman to catch them on their stupidity? You know, how did they manage to get this rich? by being this naively greedy? That's a fair question. I don't have an answer for that, obviously. I don't know how the DeVos family made its money. I have a good idea how Rupert Murdoch made some of his money. But uh, a lot of these investors, as you and I know from covering Sand Hill Road, you know, if you go one for nine, yeah. in baseball, you don't have a job. Right. But if you're a VC and that one is eBay or Siebel Systems, you win. Or, right. it covers all the failures. Right. And so you have to put your money out there and sort of see what sticks. And so the downside... Especially of, if, you're, if you're making billion dollar funds right now, right. that money's got to go somewhere. It's got to go fast because your investors are not going to be happy. Right. And so I do feel for the pension funds. I feel for the individual investors that you know ponied up what they could. But do you feel bad for the DeVos family because it lost $100 million in Theranos? Not in the slightest. And I wonder if the jury feels the same way. But they will for that lady with that, with that bad, wrong HIV. Right. Result. And the rumor is 
that the prosecution is getting close to resting its part of the case. And you're right. This wouldn't be a bad way because there was a woman who took a test earlier in the trial and testified that that test showed that she had miscarried her child. She was pregnant. Took more tests and said, no, 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 you're fine. Your levels are fine. And she did deliver a healthy baby. And that had the jury silenced. Again, parent or not, you know how that works. Absolutely. And this, again, had the jury silenced. Everybody in the jury was sitting there going, what would I do with that news? Right. Go home and say goodbye? Well, and in both cases, it was a health practitioner that these women trusted who said, do this again somewhere else. Yeah. Go to a clinic. Go to anywhere. But do this multiple times. This is a great argument for nurses. Yeah. Absolutely. They seem to be the firewall against this stuff. A couple more things. Sure. There's a rumor that perhaps the defense will not present its case. Well, right. I mean, who knows? The defense doesn't have to prove anything. No. Period. In any trial. And in this trial. If they think there's reasonable doubt, why would they screw around going through their side? Just go with the jury's mood. Right. Because any witness that they put forward, the prosecution gets to cross. Exactly. And obviously. So I don't know. It would be, to be honest, a little surprising if they just said, we have no one to bring forward. So the big question and the question I get asked the most is, will Elizabeth Holmes herself testify? Yeah, that was my next question. And again, I have no idea. They're not hinting at this other than the fact that she's there every minute of the trial. But who knows? She's there. She's looking at the jury. The jury is looking at her. Granted, she's masked the whole time. With elegant, different colored face masks. Yes. She has a different look than she did in the Theranos years as CEO. And is that accidental? No, none of this is accidental. Is it prelude to her actually taking the stand? I don't know. Well, that'll be the big moment. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, spreading the news of that big moment, if it happens, I understand it's getting to be a challenge because the judge is starting to get ticked off at the loud typing. So you've seen some of the tweets on this. Yeah. Uh, in the courtroom, yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny to me because, uh, all right, I don't remember a day where reporters had actual, you know, Smith Coronas in the courtroom or anything. But the, Well, they never had them. They oh, okay. had them just outside the courtroom. All right. You see those pictures when VE Day was announced, all the reporters fighting each other to get out of FDR's office to get to the, to the wall of payphones. That makes sense. So... In my era, as far as the word processing era, it's always been pretty quiet, and it's just gotten quieter and quieter. And whether you're on a, you know, a Dell or a Mac or, you know, whatever, um, it seems that it's pretty quiet. But uh, I'll admit, if I'm in the overflow courtroom right. and things are quiet and I'm banging something out, I'll, I'll listen. And I think, oh, okay, I'm actually making a little noise on this keyboard. But um, I, I haven't covered enough trials to know if it's common that three and now maybe even four times during this trial, the judges admonished people in there for literally typing too loud. So are, are people are people putting aside their $120 keyboards and going out and get the cheap, non-tactile clicking keyboards? No, they're uh, coming into the overflow, overflow. courtroom where uh, apparently we can be as loud as we want. Yeah, but there was a complaint by, I guess there was some tweets by reporters saying that the uh, stream is not the most reliable thing in the overflow room. Well, there have been a few times when we've had to, yeah, check the sound or try to get 
on the door unlocked because we've <laughs> locked out. It's not a perfect system. We are clearly those of us in the overflow courtroom. The you know that this also runs. Um, yeah, you're the box populi. But when you know the uh, your phone is ringing and you've got a deadline and you've got to run things and jump outside to interview an analyst, it's better to be not rude and conspicuous. Right. So the overflow courtroom helps. But um, what was the reaction of the, re of the reporters? Because I know reporters having been one and have been around TV reporters, they usually think they're the most important people in the building. Why would you say that? So, and they're always running a commentary. If they're not actually in the chamber, everybody's talking, everybody's making comments. What happened when that woman gave her testimony today? Oh, about the HIV. Yeah. So it was a collective gasp. Yeah because it's a serious thing, like you said, um, you know, you imagine for a second if that happened to you, but because of the timing of it, at the very end of the day, yeah. and I'll speak for myself, and I know I'm speaking for others, when we had our stories filed, yeah. to realize that the big news was what we had not filed, and what, what literally happened in the last three minutes, and this has happened, in, in, it's not just TV yeah. reporters that deal with this, radio reporters, newspaper reporters, you're all but going home for the day and something catches on fire or, you know, something horrible happens and you've got to report well, it. Well, I hate to be cynical, but it's also kind of fun yeah. because it takes you back to old-fashioned journalism where it's like you're on the phone, get me rewrite, and you're, and you're literally <laughs> dictating the lead. Right. And uh, so my typing was probably a little louder than it was <laughs> even in the courtroom as we changed the lead of the story and, uh, and got that in there and... Um, yeah, because that's what you have to do because, you know, that's what people are going to be talking about and your competitors are going to talk about yeah. it and it is the latest news. I am a little surprised that this woman got three minutes on the stand and now her name is everywhere and her story is everywhere and she has to come back instead of a fresh start. But again, I don't decide what the judge does. No. You think he's doing a lot? Shall I ask you this? You think he's doing a good job? I really don't have anything to compare it to. Yeah. I mean, I'm not just saying that to be diplomatic, um, but uh, I, I just don't know. It surprises me that the cross-examining is allowed to go as far and as minuscule detailed as it is. Yeah, you mentioned it was six hours, eight hours? Right, to cross someone who lost some money right. to Theranos. And uh, the questions, I mean, they literally got down to the point where he had this hedge fund guy, yeah. and you know how rich these people are, he had him explain what it means to make a profit. Oh my God. And then about an hour later, he was explaining what quarterly earnings are. And I don't know that that's germane to why we're here in this trial, um, but it is a little strange to have someone say, well, when you make more money than you spend, yeah, you know, that sort of thing. Kind of insulting to junior, uh, to I jurors, would, yeah, too. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to other things. All right. Well, we got time. NVIDIA. Boy, what a week. Uh, what a decade. What, what a, a decade. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, they, but they haven't lost any momentum. Uh, revenue jumped 50% year over year to $7.1 Earnings per share, $1.11 expected. They hit $1.17. Uh, mostly from gaming and um, their data center stuff. Uh, gaming was $3.22 versus $3.18 expected. Data center revenue was incredible. 2.9 billion versus 2.69 billion expected. And they credit a lot of it to their AI operation. Yeah, they're really in a lot of hot spots. Remember a few years ago, they were the leader in chips for driverless cars when that yeah. was taking off. And then they found themselves the leader in chips for uh, Bitcoin mining, which 
they handled very well because that became less hot yeah. and but they were able to transition i'm surprised given what you and i you know your podcast is about what's hot in technology how often chip companies come up amd nvidia let's throw some love at qualcomm for their recent earning reports they're at an all-time high which is amazing this is what i told you years ago i know it always comes down to chips and nvidia well look what they've done they've done two things simultaneously one they captured onto the boom in ai right okay and they're just perfectly positioned but they've also essentially reinvented uh computer imagery computer graphics simultaneously I mean, this is a company that's doing so well. It could literally divide itself in two, and both parts could take off. Because you know what they do well is they allow other companies to do well after those companies pay them a lot of money for their chips, yeah. which I would also define as Qualcomm's business model. Right. You know, the phones you carry around, the laptops, you're not thinking Qualcomm. Um, and maybe that's because they didn't have a clever thing like Intel inside. Right. But Qualcomm allows these companies, and NVIDIA allows these companies, the AI companies, the car companies, the gaming companies, to soar because they have that back-end unsexy plumbing that NVIDIA provides. And that is really lucrative plumbing. But they've done well enough now that when you say, well, it's you know the, the graphics are driven by an NVIDIA chip, you go, oh, okay, well, then we're okay. Right. It's not like... Which one, you know, we don't know the product numbers or anything else or the specs. We just know this is going this is gonna be the best there is out there. I mean NVIDIA is flirting with something like seven hundred fifty, eight hundred, you know, billion dollars in market value, well above Intel. Yeah. Uh, well above anybody else really, and catching up to, you know, Tesla and Facebook. Another trillion dollar company yeah. in Silicon Valley. And and they've done it with uh, I mean, it's like finding out that, I don't know, Brandon Crawford plays, or Buster Posey, a whole career with it. You know, they've done it with one CEO for decades, right. Jensen Wong, and, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, okay, uh, lawsuit, alleging <laughs> security, we're back to Facebook. We gotta do Facebook every week, I'm afraid. A lawsuit alleging securities law violation filed against Meta uh, by Ohio's, Ohio's largest pension fund. And the attorney general says, oh, that'd be pretty easy to prove. Basically, public statements by Facebook didn't match the stuff that I think the Wall Street Journal found, those internal memos, which essentially said, we give special deals and special breaks to famous people. And we talk about the fact that we don't do stuff like that, that we don't, we're fair to everyone, and, and we're basically lying to the general public. Well, that, that memo is going to be Exhibit A in this lawsuit. The guy said, we're not actually doing what we the, said. We are not actually doing what we do, say we do publicly, said the confidential memo. Unlike the rest of our community, these people can violate our standards without any consequences. And the eternal gen, attorney general said, well, okay. They've essentially admitted to fraud, and we're going to go after them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I... I I'm guessing here, looking ahead to Facebook's future, that if they are not broken up, and, and that's a tough thing to imagine that they yeah. will be, um, the lawsuits will come because people, and you know, the Ohio Attorney General, you know, who, who knew that that was going to start it, but attorneys general are going to say, well, wait a minute, you know, Instagram is admitting that our teenage girls are, are being hurt emotionally by going on. You know, we know that Facebook is admitting that they're lying and letting these you know, yeah. outside forces. You and I talked party. about this when the yeah. Wall Street Journal series came out that where are the class action suits? We know they're waiting you know, just around the bend. 
Meanwhile, Facebook has pissed off uh, the feds, federal prosecutors, because the prosecutors were looking into a, uh, I guess, like a neo-Nazi group, and uh, they went to Facebook to get all the background, you know, get the data for the case, and Facebook said, oh, we destroyed all that. So now they can't, they don't have enough evidence to go after this extremist group. Uh, that, that that's not a good look too. No, and I mean it's um, it's one of those things that's also going to put extra pressure on uh, Section 230, right? You yeah. Know, is Facebook really responsible for these things, or are they just sort of the conduit? And I think people are getting a little sick of Facebook just saying we're just a platform. Yeah. And, yeah. And at some point that reaches some sort of critical mass where enough people with pitchforks, you know, show up at the door. You know, nobody's written the textbook for the PR majors in all the universities around the country on what do you do if your company becomes the locus not just the subject of bad publicity and all that but you become the locus of all the bad publicity accruing to your industry what do you do then you suggest to the company that they change their name to I'm meta kidding. yeah i'm kidding <laughs> um, I, I right and and that's you know that along with and, and another thing I've thought of while covering the Elizabeth Holmes trial, that along with business ethics really needs to be taught in, in business schools. Yes. You know, ethics above profits and positive PR um, that really you can back up as opposed yes. to just having a PR uh, you know, team to put lipstick on whatever horrible thing you have. Something that you trust, someone in that, in that division you trust that you will listen to yeah. and actually follow up on because they know how to get positive Right. feedback from the community instead of just an onslaught of negative feedback. Well, you know, Jim Morgan, I don't know if we talked about this before, but Jim Morgan with, with Tom Hayes as his marketing guy, they consciously contributed to the community in order to build a reservoir of goodwill. This was applied So when materials. things went bad, right. everyone thought, oh, it's a, it's a bad thing to happen to a good company. Not, it's deserved thing for a lousy company. Right, there's something about that, and they, you know, you're talking about applied materials, uh, were one of the early companies that would sponsor things yeah. and you know spend money to get goodwill and uh, you know Facebook did a little of that in the beginning especially when it moved into that area of you know sort of Menlo Park slash East Palo Alto sure. they would fund a police substation yeah. but it's got to go much deeper than that oh yeah and it really hasn't hasn't no okay finally well you're a basketball fan yes this is my favorite story of the week. I mean what do you think of this Crypto.com is, as of Christmas morning this year, Staples Arena in L.A. I mean, I mean that's an iconic place, right? The Staples Center, absolutely. Staples Center. Crypto.com is going to rename the arena. Yeah, it's interesting because it's an iconic name and everybody knows it. It's they call it the house that Kobe built. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the all the great athletics. I remember driving by it a few months ago. I mean, on a business trip, sure. and it was like. There it is, the Staples Center, and the and the Lakers are playing tonight. Yep. You know. I always thought it transcended the fact that it was named after an office supply right, store. Right. You know. But that's the least modern thing you can. You know, it's sort yeah. of like naming it after a, I don't know a, a railroad train station. And it's kind of a staple of L.A. life. Right. Ah, very good. Um, but right, it's you know Staples is an office supply store. Crypto.com. Well, now that <laughs> you know on the vanguard of cutting edge. It's amazing to They're me. They're in don't. Singapore. <laughs> it's true. I mean, right? They couldn't. They couldn't get a local crypto company. Yeah. They're all. They're literally crawling all over the place. Um, it's also funny to me that it's a twenty-year deal. Yeah. I mean, twenty years ago, nobody was aware of cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, 
in 20 years from now? Is Will there going to be a crypto? Be, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's going to be. It's going to well, you think about 20 years at 700 million is only 35 million dollars a year. I mean, did did the did the Staples folks get a good deal? Especially when this is not likely to last. I don't know. And it's one of those things where who knows if at some point someone else will have to take over the contract because there is no more Crypto.com or whatever. Also funny to me, you know how a lot of stadiums, Staples Center was Staples Center. Nobody right. named it anything else. Um, but, uh, you know, you'd get a, well, we call it the Jack or we call it the, you know, the big phone when it was Pac Bell Park. Right. Um, crypto.com, to me, the first thing that jumped out was the crypt. Yes. Which, you know... Well, you lives guys, in, nobody lives in a crypt. We right? got fans dressed as a crypt keeper, crypto. <laughs> yeah. And well, yet, I gotta say this: it's better than like Fleet. I guess because so. that's that. I mean, it better it better be named after cryptocurrency than a laxative. <laughs> yeah. Look, if if the Lakers win another title, you know, the Clippers hang on to Kawhi Leonard and do well. If the Kings, the Kings have won titles, you know. The Sparks have won titles. L.A. is is an incredible, incredible sports title town. Yeah. Um, and if that keeps happening, nobody's going to care what they call it. Right. Really. But um, there is something very right now and almost super trendy, and that's dangerous when you do right. something. You know, you don't buy clothes and say, especially well, this, this is what I'm going to wear for 20 years. Nobody especially in this field where this company could be dead tomorrow <laughs> or there could be a gigantic scandal right. connected to this. Uh if crypto got, you know, I still com, call I still call it Pac Bell up here, you know, yeah. because I don't want to deal with these latest, you know, names that are going to be gone in two years. You know, it was controversial. I remember one of the earliest Silicon Valley stories I covered were when 3Com named Candlestick Park, you know. Yeah. And oh, were people ticked off at 3Com, but they had never had. I mean, they went public as a company. They sold right. lots of routers, whatever. Yeah. But more people heard of them through that deal. That was money well spent. So it's a good PR thing for the buyer, but I don't know about the recipient. Yeah, well, we'll see. Okay, that's it for now, folks. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.